We're going to be looking in Psalm 37 tonight. Psalm 37. Uh, if in your time you would look again at these first eight verses of the chapter, you'll find not once, not twice, but three times, God says, do not fret. Do not fret. Now, the word fret, of course, refers to uh, literally to something that is a burning, a fire. It uh, describes then the feeling, the emotional feeling that we get when we are burning with anger or frustration or that all too familiar worry, worry. And so tonight we see what God uh, tells us in, to do instead of fretting. And uh, we looked at one of these before, and now tonight, verse 4, we'll finish up this series tonight. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. There are things about the Christian life that frustrate us, things perhaps that bother us that maybe don't bother uh, other people in exactly the same way it does us. We serve, after all, an omnipotent, that is, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And we know that whatever it is that's going on in our life, that God could fix it. But God doesn't always operate the way that we think He should, and that bothers us. He doesn't always operate on the timetable. That we think that he should. In this passage he says the, the wicked shall soon be cut off. But uh, of course God's soon uh, is not always the same as our soon. In fact it's a lot different than ours. Uh, we don't understand that, why that God doesn't value the same things that we value. Uh, time is probably uh, the most valuable thing that we all have. And yet uh, time really doesn't mean that much to God. Timing, timing, timing means a lot. So we can get frustrated in our walk with the Lord, but instead the psalmist calls us to trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord, of course, we defined last week as that sense of leaning on Him. We lean on the Lord and not upon our own understanding. We cast all of our cares upon Him for He cares for you. And in both of those concepts of trusting, to lean on the Lord, to cast something on the Lord, to throw it, to toss it to Him. And of course, we looked at that marvelous, profound thing. You can't throw something and hang on to it at the same time. If I, it's like a baby. From the time a baby first learns that he can't holler and swallow at the same time, life is a series of choices. You can't hold on to it and throw it at the same time. So we cast these things to the Lord. That's what we do when we trust God. And then what? Trust in the Lord, the psalmist says, and do good. We get on with life. We trust in the Lord and take a nap. Uh, trust in the Lord and go to work. Trust in the Lord and... And uh, mow the grass, trust in the Lord, pay the bills, trust in the Lord, go to school. That is, we go on with life. But of course, getting on with life, especially after we've gone through a period that has bothered us, maybe frustrated us, uh, something that has caused us a lot of anxiety and maybe even brought on that trend, twin feeling with anxiety, uh, that of depression, downhearted cast down soul 
in that situation, getting on with life is the very last thing that we feel like doing. Some years ago, there was a popular uh, television personality who served as a spokesperson for a religious group. And at the end of, of, their, of her discussion, the infomercial, uh, she would say, if you've lost your joy, get it back. Well, I thought, what a profound idea. Man, I wish I'd have thought about that. Well, if you've lost your joy, just go get it back. Now, that's good factual advice. Kind of like that person who, though, is discouraged, maybe even depressed or suffering from anxiety. And we tell them, well, get out. Get out of the house and get busy. Well, thanks a lot. I I, I know it's not like I haven't thought of that. It's, though, the last thing we want to do. You see a lot of good advice that we get gives us absolutely no idea of how to do what we're being told to do. If you lost your joy, get it back. How exactly do you suggest that? It's one of the great things about God is that He never tells us to do something without telling us how to do it and most of the time giving us the ability to do it. God's commands come with God's provision. That means that God's commands are also promises. The classic example was when Jesus told the man with the withered arm, his arm all drawn up like this, either due to an injury or due to a birth defect. And Jesus told him, stretch forth your hand. Of course, that was the very last thing he could do. But when Jesus told him to do it, all of a sudden, he could do it. He told the man, rise and pick up your bed and walk. The last thing he could do. But when Jesus told him to do it, lo and behold, he could. Lazarus laying in the grave, four days dead. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Ah, And there he came. That's the power of the commands of God. So when God tells us to do something, he always shows us how to do it. And he also gives us the power that we need to do it. So when he tells us, trust in the Lord and do good, trust in the Lord and get on with life, trust in the Lord and don't fret, we have then the three instructions of our text tonight. The first one's verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now if we're not careful, we'll interpret that passage to mean that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, then he'll give us whatever it is that we want or do for us, whatever it is that we want him to do. He'll fulfill all of our dreams and give us all our desires. But that is not at all what this passage teaches. Delight thyself in the Lord. Uh, and he'll give thee the desires of thine heart, doesn't mean I get a new F-150 four-wheel drive. It doesn't mean that. Uh, It doesn't mean that uh, uh, I suddenly become a millionaire or any one of a hundred other things that we could add in there. What does it mean? It means uh, that the delight, you see, is a condition of the heart. It is a time when our heart is delighted in the Lord. Our heart, then, 
is satisfied in Him. Such a state does not produce the promise of a lot of things. It instead means that when our delight is in the Lord, our heart has a constant and continual realm of delight. It has a river of delight, if you will, that will never run dry. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, then we can have a heart that is always delighted. If God is our greatest source of joy, then our greatest joy is always available to us. Now the problem that we have is that we let a lot of things woo us away from letting our heart be delighted in the Lord. If we're not careful, we'll begin to look to other things as our source of joy. But whatever else we use to give us joy in our life, even though it may temporarily satisfy us and seem to fill up our life, these other things, whatever they are, are fickle and changeable and fragile. We may get a lot of joy out of our work or vocation, and rightly so. They say if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. You've heard that. I want to tell you tonight, I love my job. I do. I I love what I do, do what I love. It is a constant source of joy to me. I know that. It may be volunteering for causes that you're very passionate about and that you believe in, causes that help humanity at large or or do good things for our community. And, And these things bring great joy to you. It may be some use of your talent, something that God has enabled you to do. You're one of those marvelous, creative people, and you just love to be able to create. And that creativity, doing things, making things, painting things, are all a source of great joy to you. Nothing wrong with that. We all have fun things. I mean, just flat-out fun things. Maybe you're like me, and you enjoy the outdoors. You like to hunt and fish, and those things can give you great joy. Just seeing the sun come up on a good frosty morning and hearing that sound of of a critter walking, crunching leaves, and it's just barely daylight, and you're wondering, yeah, yeah. It's that time of the year, ain't it, guys? (laughs) Yeah, you know what's on my mind. Children, our family... Relationships with other people are great sources of joy. Children, uh, grandchildren, spouses, siblings. Relationships with other people. But the problem is that all of these things are fragile. They can be gone like that. Good pastor friend of mine was like me. He loved to hunt. Until he climbed up in a deer stand about this time several years ago and it collapsed under him, fell, broke his pelvis and it ended up costing him not only his ability to hunt but also his ability to pastor. And So much of his life, his life forever changed in a moment doing something that he loved. You can have joy, great joy from relationships but you know that those relationships might go away. The children that we love so much, we all know can also bring a lot of pain and anxiety. See, all these things, all these things are good things. There's nothing wrong with us enjoying those things and getting joy from them. But if we have lost our joy in the Lord, 
And the Bible tells us to delight, to be joyful, to rejoice in the Lord. If we have lost our ability to joy, gain joy in the Lord, and we instead begin to prop up our, our joy bank, our, fill up our joy tank with other things, it'll keep us going for a while. But there'll come a time until something comes along then that joy will be gone. Sometimes I think those things have to go away in order for us to realize that really we're not delighting ourselves in the Lord the way we should. We can go a long time when worship just doesn't thrill us or excite us, when the thought of God and His praise really doesn't appeal to us. We can allow our relationship with the Lord to be distant. And we can go by on that for a long, long time until something happens to remind us that what we've been delighting in, what we've been using as our source of joy is suddenly gone. We need God. And I hope you haven't forgot where He is, how to find Him. Because God promised us that He'll be found of us when we seek Him with our what? Our whole heart. You're exactly right. Our whole heart. Delight thyself also in the Lord. That he shall give thee the desires of, our, of thine heart. When our greatest desire is God, then our heart will always be delighted. We'll have a source of delight that will sustain us when all the other things in life have gone away. Classic example would be, of course, uh, Paul in the jail in Philippi, singing songs of praise at midnight, his back laid open by the lash of the Romans that had him whipped, stinging from rejection and riots that had occurred in previous cities. But there in the midnight hour, he's not complaining. He's praising, singing praises. God sends an earthquake and a jailer cries out, What must I do to be saved? Delight thyself, you see, also in the Lord. And we'll have a source of joy then that never runs dry. So he calls us to trust in the Lord and do good. But sometimes we don't feel like doing good. So how can we get on with life even though we don't feel like it? Well, we delight ourselves in the Lord. We ask ourselves, am I really delighting in Him? And if we're not, we need to seek Him because He'll be found of us when we do. Secondly, He tells us to commit our way unto the Lord. Commit your way, verse 5, unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Now, the way in this passage refers to a well-traveled path. It speaks of a way that we travel every day, what we call routine. It is life and living, everyday life. Our lifestyle. You commit your way unto the Lord. Most certainly it involves our job or our vocation. What we would call our living. Got to make a living. And that's kind of what the psalmist has in mind. Commit your way unto the Lord. Now, there are times of economic prosperity when uh, we might not have to worry much about our way. 
how we're going to make a living, how we're going to get by, how we're going to provide for our family, how we're going to pay our bills. But you don't live very long do you see the ebbs and turns of, of the economy. You see the ups and downs. Some years ago, the unrest between the Arabs and the Israelis spilled over into world events and the price of oil quadrupled and gas prices doubled. The Secretary of State at the time presented a plan with bipartisan support that would help America end its dependence on foreign oil. That was a promise. The presidents called on Americans to adopt measures like carpooling to save fuel and help in this quest. Still, inflation crippled our economy and the perceived indifference of the leaders resulted in the election of a Washington outsider an obscure candidate who ran on a platform of changing Washington from the inside and helping instead the suffering forgotten people of America. Does that platform sound familiar? The conflict was the Yom Kippur War of 1973. It resulted in the Arab oil embargo. Before they were done, oil had gone from $3 a barrel to the incredible price of $12 a barrel. Gas had more than doubled from 35 cents to 70 cents a gallon. I was mowing yards for a living back in those days. I had to go up a dollar on all of my yards just to cover my fuel cost. 35 cents to 70 cents a gallon. The plan that would end our dependence on foreign oil was proposed by Henry Kissinger. And the president at the time, who urged us to carpool to save money, was Richard Nixon, the reform candidate who promised <laughs> to change Washington from the inside out was a peanut farmer from Georgia by the name of Jimmy Carter. How many of you think 70 cents a gallon sounded, sounds pretty good right now? Would you take that? I'd get in my car and drive right now wherever they're selling it. I believe I could. 70 cents a gallon? Yes. Uh-huh. Give me some. The reason I brought that up for you tonight is to remind you that God has brought us through some hard times before. And some of you can remember a lot harder times than those. That's about the first hard time, difficult time that I can remember, but it wasn't long. Until there were more embargoes and more things that were happening, before long it was not 70 cents a gallon, it was $1.40 a gallon. We've seen it worse. We can say, like the old hymn writer, through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. Commit your way unto the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass. And then the last one. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. This is one of those times where the negative and the positive come right together. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him 
Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way. Uh, one of these things is that he mentions is an outburst and the other is a settled hostility. Road rage occurs because there's a lot of people who have a deep-seated, seething hostility and something happens, might be rather innocent, and all of a sudden, somebody snaps, blows up. And a lot of times, somebody ends up dead out of pure rage. And all of these things then are, are involved in this past passage. He tells us, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any way to do difficult. So instead of letting this anger and frustration build up until it's rage, until it's a seething hostility, until it's something that is tempting us to do some great act of evil, whatever it might be. Instead of letting that happen, he tells us to do something else. Rest in the Lord and wait, what? Patiently for Him. Waiting on the Lord is not difficult. Don't ever let anybody tell you that waiting on the Lord is difficult. If the Lord tarries, we wait. If the Lord's not moving, what else exactly do we do? We wait. We may not like it. I didn't say we liked it, waiting patiently on him. And I'll be quick to point out to you that patience is really not my strong suit. I called a doctor's office not too long ago, and after 15 minutes of being on hold, I hung up. Then I called him back. <laughs> 20 minutes later, I got through. I really showed them. My goodness. Y'all have been there too, hadn't you? Yeah. Getting angry and hanging up only prolonged the waiting. Part of what we, it means to trust the Lord means that sometimes we must rest in Him. And that means waiting patiently. If you ever ask me how I'm doing and I say, well, I'm resting in the Lord, be careful. <laughs> be careful. Because I'm, I'm fighting a battle more than likely to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. The end result is a great promise. He shall bring forth, He says, your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. You see, so often what we get bothered about is not so much what's happening to us, but about our fear of what other people are going to say or think. I mean, you think about that mom in the shopping cart at Walmart with a two-year-old boy, and nobody can scream louder than a mad two-year-old boy. I mean, they can light it up. Now, the little two-year-old boy is screaming because he saw a Spider-Man toy there, and mama told him no, and he is throwing a fit. Can anybody identify? I've been there. Now, as you watch the mama, you see something real quick, and that is she's getting really perturbed. And she's getting perturbed because everybody in the store is looking. And she knows what they're all thinking. Wow, what kind of mama is she? Not let, man, I wouldn't let my baby run. She's imagining what everybody is thinking. And it's getting her really upset. Now, it's not that that boy throwing a fit is upsetting her because that boy can throw a fit at home and she'll ignore him. 
Terbrady. Oh, you are you done yet? <laughs> you know, put him over there in the corner and let him howl. Doesn't bother her a bit. What bothers her is what everybody's thinking about her. You understand what I'm saying? So oftentimes in life, what bothers us, what gets us all upset and fretting about things, is not so much what's happening, but it's our idea of what it's going to do to what other people think about me, my reputation, how other people see me. We can't say that's not important to us. I had a good friend that I went to seminary with. He and I started out many years ago, same year. We were in the seminary apartments together and raised our family together. We stayed friends. I preached revivals for him a number of times. One of his children went off in terrible sin. He was grown at the time, but he couldn't get past it. And he quit the ministry. He left. He just he couldn't get past even though his son was an adult when he got into those things, living on his own. He just couldn't get past it. Reputation. Don't say it doesn't matter. It does. That's why what the Lord says. You see, when we commit our way to the Lord, we delight ourselves in the Lord. We trust in the Lord and do good. We delight in the Lord. We commit our way to the Lord. We rest in the Lord. Then what's the promise he gives us? He shall bring forth, verse 6, your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. You trust in me, God says, and I'll take care of your reputation. I'll see to it that your righteousness comes out. I'll see to it that you get what you deserve. You trust in me. Commit your way to me. Rest in the Lord. Don't fret. And I'll take care of your reputation. Doesn't that sound like a good plan tonight? When we're tempted to get all bothered, upset, fretting over the things in life uh, that oftentimes are completely beyond our control. Don't fret, God says. Instead, trust in the Lord. Commit your way unto the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Rest in the Lord, and he'll bring forth your righteousness as the noonday. Oh, but, brother, I'd rather fret. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd, I kind of like my fretting. If I didn't fret, I wouldn't have anything to do. I'll tell you what, I'll pray for you, you pray for me. That we'd try to break this habit because God gave us some glorious things to do instead. And a great promise that all of us can apply in our life. By the feedback that I've got from these messages, there's a lot more than just me that needed to be reminded about don't fret. About committing our way into the Lord and trusting in Him. He'll bring it to pass. The main way that we do that is what we saw pictured tonight when Jenna and Julie and Abigail went through the waters of baptism. You see, that's a picture of the gospel. When we put somebody down under the water, that pictures the death and burial of Jesus Christ. 
When we raise them back up, it pictures his resurrection. In a pictorial way, then, they're demonstrating that they've received the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've been saved. They've believed on him. And I can't stand up here tonight and tell you to trust in the Lord and do good if you've never trusted in the Lord as your personal Savior. That's where it begins. If you haven't trusted him with your eternal destiny, then you're not going to be able to trust him over a trip to Walmart either. It all begins with that trusting him for salvation. Got good news for you tonight. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Oh, what great news that is. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Those scriptures are trustworthy and reliable. They give us an accurate account of what Jesus did and why he did it. And it gives to us that glorious invitation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There come that time in your life where you trusted Jesus as your Savior, where you received Him in the free pardon of sins. Have you followed Him in baptism? Do you have a church home? All of these things are things that we do after we have trusted Him as our Savior, but we put them out there tonight because I don't know what decision you need to make, but God does. Maybe tonight you're struggling with some decision that you need to make Something that, some way that you and you alone need to honor God in your life. Something you need to cast on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And do good. Let's stand together, please.